Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to the Muslim Matters Podcast, where we discuss everything under the sun that affects Muslims, such as faith, local and global politics, social media, sex education, civil rights, and family matters, all coming from a traditional Orthodox perspective. Subscribe to our podcast and follow us online on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram on our handle, Muslim Matters. And check out our site daily at muslimmatters.org. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, and welcome to the Muslim Matters Podcast. I am your host, Zainab Bintinas. Today's topic is about preparing for the last 10 nights of Ramadan, and our special guest is Estada Raida Shah Idil. Welcome, Raida. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be having this call with you from Malaysia. It's been a right, while. Yeah. I'm so Amazing excited. Amazing technology. And to think the last time Inshallah. we met was in person in Malaysia. Yes, in person. So many exactly. years ago, subhanAllah. SubhanAllah, SubhanAllah. And so just so our listeners know who you are, Stada Raida was born in Singapore, grew up in Sydney, Australia, worked in Amman, Jordan, and now lives in Malaysia with her family. As a university student, she began her online Islamic studies with Qibla slash Sunni Path alongside her volunteer work as a hospital chaplain for five years. In addition to her Bachelor's of Science in Psychology and Bachelor of Arts in English at the University of New South Wales, she also completed Qibla's Shifa summer program in Amman and stayed on for almost two years. She studied Shafi'i Fiqh, Arabic, Sirah, Aqidah, Tasawwuf, Tafsir, and Tajweed with various teachers. So as we said, today's topic is just gearing up for the last 10 nights of Ramadan. Right now we're kind of in like that mid-Ramadan slump and everyone's just kind of struggling to hold on with all their ambitious mm-hmm. Ramadan resolutions at the beginning of the month. And now... We're thinking about like, oh my God, we're halfway done. The first half of the yes, month, now the last ten nights is coming up. Yeah, it's um, just you reading my bio made me realize how far away I am <laughs> from that part of my life. Because now I'm a really busy mom of three children, and because they're so young, the Ramadans I've had for the past few years have been very different to the ones I've had as a student of knowledge. Mm-hmm. I can vividly remember like the heartfelt du'as I made, like, Ya Allah, send me a good husband and <laughs> children. I mean, here I am. Du'as <laughs> answered, mashallah. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, Ya Allah, give me time <laughs> to do more of my own worship. You know, and that's the paradigm shift that I have to keep reminding myself that this is worship. Like this mm-hmm. Ramadan I have with my children where I just, I don't, I, I've never read the Quran quickly. I hope to, inshallah, you know, keep practicing. But I have not been able to make a khatam of the Quran in a while because I have lots to do. Yeah. So what I try to do is just realistic goals that I can keep consistent, that I can still hit and then still feel good about myself. Not like, oh no, another thing I can't do because of my kids. Yeah. As opposed to like, you know, I'm going to focus like, now, this Ramadan, like reading Surah Tuwakiyah, like every day and mm-hmm. work my way to memorizing it someday. Because, you know, that's the perfect to offer a busy mom, you know. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. Yeah, risk, right? And totally, I relate to that mid-Ramadan feeling of like, wow, how did we even get here? Like, it's already mid-Ramadan, like, and, but I guess, alhamdulillah, Allah knows his creation, you know. That's why he's got the special last 10 days. Because <laughs> you know? yeah. we need that motivation, right? Yeah, we really do. And it's, you know, I think one of the awesome things about, again, the last 10 nights and just the the spirit of perking up that you notice everywhere with Muslims everywhere. Because everybody hits that middle yes. slump and we're all like... <gasps> <laughs> and then yes. it's like, wait, last tonight is coming up. And then you feel like 
almost that same sense of just before Ramadan with everyone's like pre-Ramadan excitement and preparation yes, now yes. it's like the pre-last 10 nights excitement and I'm so glad we have that and because it, it is a way of rejuvenating each other right and even on yeah. social media I mean everybody loves to trash social media and yes it is a time suck in so many ways but <laughs> yes. if you have you know, the right, if you're following the right people, if you've curated enough of the right content, like you'll start yes. noticing everybody is like, oh, hey, we've hit the midway point. Like, let's start preparing. Let's start getting all our dua lists out again. Let's like look through yes. the Ramadan evaluation. And I exactly. really appreciate that personally, because, you know, again, everyday life can be so busy and mm-hmm. I, mean, I only have one kid and honestly i'm spoiled because i'm gonna have so much family support but then I've got, like all these other things going on right so it's like trying to keep up with all those things and you're just like oh man i'm so tired every day and you're just mm-hmm. kind of pushing yourself like through yeah. the day. Like, you know let's just get through it and then having everybody else perk up and have that excitement yeah. it's like oh hey and now i can feel it too you know yes exactly a little bit more into the spirit as it were yeah and this is how allah knows his creation like we no, none of us know which night is like right we don't know we just know it's within that last 10 days so that is really great actually because knowing me if i knew what <laughs> night it was that would be the night i'll concentrate on worship right, pull and pull it all later exactly but subhanallah you know i'd love to think of how we now have 10 more times more opportunity to really like try hard. And of course, this will not be like the all-nighters of my youth. <laughs> what is that even now? <laughs> you know, Those are far but, memories. Yeah, far, far away days. But what I have now that I didn't have then is this depth of like desperation and du'as and, mm-hmm. you know, sincere hope for my children. Yes. And yeah, it's like, that's like next level, like being able to relate to Mariam, you know, you know, for example, our lady Mariam and just, you know, all these figures in history who have children and who want to carry on this legacy. And those are the surahs that we've been reciting the last few Absolutely. nights, right? The stories yeah. of Mariam salam, and Zakaria yeah, and exactly. all, the, all the prophets who made dua for their offspring, you know, their offspring. I totally relate to that. I'm so glad you brought that up because like my kid yeah. is 11 turning 12. And this Inshallah. year is probably the year when I was, it's really hit me thinking about my parents when I was younger. Yeah. And how they'd be telling other parents, be like, yeah, Ramon, this is the time you make dua for your kids because you don't know how they're going to turn out. Yeah, and this, that, and exactly. the other. And you know, when they're, when they're really little, you're like, oh, they're so cute. You make dua for them, but you're like, yes, have a sense of security that, you know, they're innocent and they're sweet. Yes. You don't have to worry that they're more kind of, <laughs> But now it's like, oh, man. Right. Oh, man, they, they oh, are. No. Different ball game now. <laughs> totally different ball game. So, yeah, that's definitely been a feature Maramadan this year, I'd say. There's like the, you have obviously like your personal fears and your hopes and your du'as yes, for yourself and your course, Afra, but yeah. That sense of responsibility now for your growing child or children, yeah. like a different sense of urgency, as you said. Absolutely. And that definitely adds to that, inshallah, that sincerity in dua and truly surrendering that, you know, absolutely like none of us, as much as we might try to tell ourselves, we don't really have control over the future, over mm-hmm. how our kids turn out or any of that, you know. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has stories in the Quran about, you know, the children of Nabi Lut. Salam, the children of 
Nabi Nuh, Islam, you know, and mm-hmm. but then beautiful stories like the children of like Nabi Zakaria, Islam, right? Yeah. So it's like this mix of both, and all we can do is make dua and hope for the best. And this last ten days is like this powerhouse time for mm-hmm. truly like sustained dua and that intention for goodness <laughs> to carry on to the next generation, you know, and what comes after that. Um, exactly and then uh, and with all of that you know the intensity of the dua and dua lists are like my favorite thing to do you know the beginning of ramadan and you you make your list and then revisiting it is so important especially now especially at this point right because you want to really refine it and really channel that energy into like what is most like deeply important to your heart and i love that so much especially because we have that tied into the main dua of Laylatul Qadr, right? Of the last 10 nights. Mm-hmm. And just combining like your personal du'as with that one, which encompasses in and of itself so much. For me, I think about, it always boils down to Allah's name, Al-Afu, and what exactly mm-hmm. it means and how it's different from Al-Ghafur, right? And we talk about how, mm-hmm. of course, Allah is, Al Ghafur, Al Ghafar, and the most forgiving one who loves to forgive. And but Afu is like next level. It's wiping everything as though it never even happened. And and then to to ask that for ourselves and our families is just Mm -hmm. so beautiful, Subhanallah. It is. It is so hopeful, right? Because what human being has not sinned? Mm-hmm. And this is part of how we're designed, you know, to turn to Allah. You know. But knowing that there is a forgiveness in which, like, there's no evidence of there ever being sin. That's incredible. You know, like, my kids are so young, you know, there's only so much mischief they can get up to. You know, but sometimes it's kind of hard to, like, uh, be calm. Let alone imagining what could happen later on in the future. The challenges, mm-hmm. like, older children could give to their parents, you know. So that that's the next level inspiration as a parent to even not that we could, we could ever come close to the forgiveness of, of Allah, but having that as like as a baseline, you know, always being a safe space, always you know not being the parent to like dread and hellfire and all that kind of stuff. It's like no, this is not the time to do it. You know, it's like love, love and connection. That is what brings children back always, inshallah. That's such a powerful point that you brought up because as much as of course you know taqwa relies on both hope and fear and our worship should be based on that. But in Ramadan, our du'as are not, and especially the last 10 nights, especially this particular du'a that Rasul Sallam chose for us and told us like, this is the yeah. one. If you say nothing else, just this one, you're good yeah. to go. Yeah. The fact that it is so centered on that afu, on that unconditional forgiveness and pardon, it has nothing to do with, you know, a threat of adab, of punishment. Yeah. I think that is an amazing point. And as you said, we just as we want our children to grow closer to Allah and connect with Allah on that mm-hmm. positive level, that's exactly what we're pretty much advised to do by Rasulullah. And yeah. of course, you know, Allah wants us to grow closer to Him in that sense of safety and trusting in that mm-hmm. safety that He provides for us. And of course, you know, we ask Allah for protection from the not, but this is like a preemptive step to that, even, right? Exactly, because of course yeah. we sin. But then Allah's afu is just, you know, that unconditional forgiveness that wipes it away completely. So we're mm. being taken away from Nar already. That, yeah. that has been eliminated. What it brings us close to the fire is what is being wiped out. And oh, it's so amazing to think about, subhanAllah. It is, subhanAllah. You know, and I, in the times that we're living in, I mean, we definitely need lots of, of hope. 
and lots of trust in Allah's plan. And even if things currently might not make sense right now, you know, this is a great month just to surrender to Allah you know, and just to give it back to Him and trust that there's no way He will let any of us down. Even if it takes time, even if it doesn't, doesn't manifest in the exact way we might want, like right now. Exactly. Allah, yeah. it, will, it will work out. Yeah, exactly. That makes me think about so many past Ramadans. Like, as you said, right? Like the past seasons and you make certain du'as oh, back man. then and then you see them manifested now and often yeah. in ways that you never even expect. Like I can think back to quite a few Ramadans past and the kinds of du'as that I made then and the way I envisioned them being answered or turning out mm-hmm. was not at all how it ended up being but I can I can sit here now and be grateful you know I can yeah. understand to some extent and of course Allah's wisdom is far more encompassing but just thinking about how I asked for one thing and Allah gave it to me in ways that I never imagined through struggles mm-hmm. that I never even imagined happen uh, having mm-hmm. but because of all that you can appreciate where you are even more so than ever. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I mean, it's human nature to want things to come easily, right? <laughs> you were like, please, <laughs> just the easy just way. A silver platter, please. That's right. That's all, you know. But, you know, this is the dunya, you know, and alongside the joy is also the struggle. And in that struggle, we learn things about ourselves and about Allah that we wouldn't be able to experience if all we had was ease, right? So I tell my daughters and my son, you know, like, in Jannah, yeah, no problems. It's all easy. It's all good. But in the dunya, you have to put in the work. You have to try and you'll make mm-hmm. mistakes. You know? But that's how we experience more. You know, Because if it's all good all the time, then you're missing like the character development, their resilience and all that good, difficult stuff. You know? And you know, we miss so. out on experiencing Allah's name, Allah, right? If Absolutely. we were perfect, where yeah. would we be for that? Exactly. And empathy. This is another thing. Like, you know, having gone through struggle, you know, makes us more compassionate about this, the struggles of others, you know. That, and I feel like, and unfortunately, like, it's a, there's a, a risk of falling into a lot of, like, judgment if you haven't had that kind of struggle. It's like, wow, why would he do that? Why would she do that? Blah, blah, blah. But we don't know the stories of people and their traumas or where they come from or where they're headed. We don't know how any of us are headed. Yeah. You know, so just, that's you know just to emulate that kind of forgiveness that Allah is showing us already in our day-to-day lives, like outside of Ramadan, you know, so this this month where everything is completely disrupted, like I love my routines, like my kids <laughs> do as well. And the Ramadan routine is like one of a kind. Offends everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and it's there for a reason. You know, that disruption is divinely ordained to help us get out of rut so we might have been stuck in, you know, and this last 10 days, Pana, is also divinely ordained to help us get of our Ramadan rut as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's different. It's different in d- different seasons of our lives, like the student of knowledge versus like the newlywed versus like the mom of like a newborn versus like the mom of like three little kids versus the mom of a 12 year old. Like, mm-hmm. and, and Allah is there with us in every moment, in every stage witnessing that, you know, because there's so much that's like behind closed doors when kids are so yeah. little, you know, mm-hmm. we're like, Nobody knows the kind of things you have to do to get the kids calm and the mm-hmm. kind of du'as you're reading and the kind of, you know, salawat you're making so you don't <laughs> yes. lose the plot. You know, but Allah is a witness to that. And SubhanAllah, we just reflect, inshallah, what is waiting for us in the afterlife, inshallah. <laughs> like, oh, oh, yes, yeah. absolutely. Inshallah. 
you know, yeah. And that ties in really well to, you know, the whole behind closed doors thing and how, you know, we have this almost like a very rigid idea of what worship and Ramadan mm -hmm. is or looks like. It's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, and of course, it's always good to have those kind of concrete goals and those milestones. But there's a reminder to all of us. And I feel like we women especially feel this, like all due respect to our brothers, like, but mashallah, they get to have their, their generally uninterrupted schedule and their time. Yes. But we as women, whether we're married or not married, like the first disruption, I guess you could say is, is just menstruation, right? Yeah, and exactly. Experiencing that and how that changes things. And, you know, you're forced to come up with like a new Ramadan plan. You have, you're forced to think about other ways of worship and connecting with Allah and spirituality. And, you know, so that's already like a paradigm shift that we have to, we have to create for ourselves in order to yeah. be able to keep feeling Ramadan. And then, you know, when you get married and you have kids, you know, like if you're pregnant, that's like another whole different experience of Ramadan right there. Yeah, if you just had a newborn and you're in Nifas for the whole of Ramadan, you know, that's a whole yeah. different experience in and of itself and then afterwards like as you said if you're breastfeeding if you're you know weaning if you're potty training like all yes. these <laughs> elements that again like mostly fall onto us let's be real yeah and so for like again being forced to contend with with developing our spirituality in new and different and often very difficult circumstances yeah creates a very different perspective again of what worship looks like and feels like you know yeah, absolutely yeah and Allah is with us like every step of that way you know every step of the way it's in and even though I really think moms should get medals every day for what we do subhanAllah realistically we don't and and the default assumption is of course you're going to be the ma main caregiver you're the mom you know that doesn't really help right because we're always in need of support yeah you know, but Allah is with us you know Allah is a witness to, you know, a fasting mom trying to stay calm, trying to potty train while, you know, one kid is crying and the other kid is doing something else. Like it's chaos, you know, but Allah is with us still in those moments. So perhaps even more so. Exactly. <laughs> so reflect on that, you know, how once we too were like, you know, being potty trained and like yelling mm -hmm. and like losing control <laughs> and we get that chance to do things better, inshallah, you know. And teach kids at a, from an age-appropriate level, you know, like every Ramadan, like I warn my children, hey, Ramadan is coming, you know, mama's going to try really hard to be patient. <laughs> like extra hard to be patient and try really you gotta hard do your part. to yell. That's right. But we're a team. You need to help mama, okay? Okay, mama. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's all about that co-regulation, right? You know, like mm -hmm. teaching them, modeling things to them. You know, and for me, what is also really important is them watching my husband, watching their dad actively helping out like that to set yes. the default with, yeah, where they know that, you know, their dad will come and help set the table, help to wash the dishes, help to sweep the floor. These are ordinary things that they need to get used to. So knowing that it's shared, it's not 50-50, yeah. <laughs> we're not there yet because my kids are still too small, right? They're still mm -hmm. mostly relying on me. But in the acts of worship through helping me, you know, that's still part of Ramadan. Absolutely. And yeah. And and because my husband, mashallah, is hands-on, he's not able to go to the masjid every night to pray Taraway or Isha as much as he would love to, because if we've had a bad day and if our kids are sick or if someone's had like 
a kid that had a time falling asleep, then he'll be with them. And inshallah, he's rewarded for that. Exactly. And, and I can do pray in congregation. Like, mashallah, that's so amazing. And it's something that was mentioned actually in our previous podcast too, where the role of fathers is often so overlooked, including and especially in Ramadan, right? It's just assumed like, oh yeah, the moms are going to deal with the kids. The dads are going to take off to the masjid. But no. really like live the sunnah of Rasulullah and how he took care of his children, his grandchildren, especially, right? Like, especially in the time yeah. of in the Medinan era where he had Hassan and Hussein and Umar radiallahu anhum and he was carrying mm. them and he was holding them. Like, do we really think that he was ignoring them? Like he's so loving and affectionate with them outside of Ramadan, yeah. but suddenly like Ramadan comes and he's going to ignore them? Of course not, right? And that's no, not even including yeah. the fact that he had stepkids, right? Like Um Salama radiallahu anha yeah, were literally raised in the house of Rasulullah and we have so many hadith like narrated by them being like, you know, Rasulullah taught us this and he took us with him there, here and there and whatever. And we really, unfortunately, I feel as an ummah, in certain parts of the world, especially, I have to give mad props to like Malaysia, Indonesia, mashallah, the, one of the world where I have consistently seen fathers being hands on and taking their kids to the masjid and just being fully involved in like the Ramadan spirit with them. And this is something that ever since I came back from Malaysia, I have never stopped being like, we need to bring Malaysia to everywhere else. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> so sweet. Done with the the standard masjid culture that we have in the west especially unfortunately where again like mm. i said it's like oh the moms are going to take the kids and they're going to be screaming in the women's section or at home and the dads are going to take off when no again as you said yeah. for the dads to be hands-on for the fathers to experience what it is to give up you know a night of taraweeh to sit with your that's kids right. and look after your kids yeah. and so that your wife can have a night of taraweeh like wow exactly <laughs> exactly and then for them to experience again that that paradigm shift of worship outside of the formal rituals and experiencing like what it is to do worship in the middle of like being elbows deep in parenting <laughs> to exactly, be elbows deep yeah. in you know, just household issues and family issues. And, and just, again, like feeling that different perspective of spirituality and learning how to make that normal. Like a huge thing that came up in COVID was suddenly all these brothers who couldn't go to the message were like, <gasps> What do we do? What do, we do? Welcome. <laughs> the moms to are like, world. Hey. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I think that one thing I really hope if anybody, if anybody's listening to this podcast, inshallah, uh, just having that different perspective of worship and extra worship, especially in the last 10 nights. So, of course, yes. you have, if you can, you do your extra qiyam al layl. If you can, you do your time management and you like, Pull all-nighters if you can. You yeah. can time and whatever. But if you can't do that, right? Putting into perspective how Laylatul Qadr can be taken advantage of in these other ways, with these other ideas of spirituality, with different adhkar, with istighfar, with salawat, giving sadaqah, right? Like, alhamdulillah, especially now, we have the internet and you can give sadaqah every night, drop of a hat, click of a button. Literally, yeah. And of course, like the dua list, and that's something like you don't need to go and sit in a message for it. You can do that again yourself at home with your phone, exactly. your phone whatever. And I think about, you know, the Hadith Rasulullah when, you know, the last 10 nights would come. And of course, he would, uh, you know, tighten his belt and spend the night in worship and awaken his family. And that mm -hmm. last bit about, or those two bits, especially about tightening his belt and awakening his family is what I was really thinking of and how that again applies to just everyday Muslim families, right? Yes. So that that whole 
changing your last 10 nights Ramadan routine, thinking about how you're going to incorporate your family into it. And, you know, like, again, depending on the ages of your kids, you know, you swap out time with your wife, who's going to like watch the kids or stay with them or deal with like, mama, I'm thirsty. Mama, I need a bed. That's right. Mama, that's right. And be like, exactly. Mama, we'll do that now. Yes, exactly. And that, and it's good. It's good for children to spend time with attentive fathers and especially for daughters, right? You know, so yes. that way there's like a positive male figure from the beginning who shows them love and concern and con- unconditional support. And, you know, that's like the template for the rest of their relationships moving forward. And what exactly. better month than planting that than Ramadan? Right. And having so, those memories, yeah, right? And absolutely. Beautiful memories is what is what is gonna remind them. Like I actually remember, you know, with my dad, I'm the oldest kid. And so my mom had three others like pretty fast after it. So she kind of oh, like kept those three at home and she was like, You go with your dad. And so what I would take Aww. me with them. So I have, you know, so many memories of like Ramadan's and I would be like eight, nine, ten years old, and he just Take me mm. with him. And to be fair, it was winter in Canada. <laughs> so oh, you know, cold. it was much earlier in the evening. But still, like, I have such warm, fuzzy memories of, like, going with my dad, going to Tarawih, and, like, having that excitement and those vibes and being like, oh, yeah, I'm going with him, you know? Yeah, and that's so special, you know? <laughs> and that's something you can always hold dear in your heart when you make dua for your parents, right? It's so beautiful exactly. to have that lived memory. And that could only happen because your dad was on board. You know, yes, take yeah, you to the masjid sure. and to show you that positive experience. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, and my husband does that now too. <laughs> Literally, just uh, the other night, we were we were gonna stay home, and then my daughter's like, "Are we going for tarawih?" And I was like, "Yeah." Uh-huh. I'm late. And she's like, "Really? You're gonna stop dad from getting the edge out of praying in Jamaah?" And I was like, "Oh, oh boy!" Wow. He's like, "All right, yes, we're going to tarawih." <laughs> Mashallah, that's wonderful. The reminder from the child exactly. <laughs> always gets <keeps> different. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's just a beautiful, beautiful reminder for everybody. Just having the whole family involved, having the father be such a part of that. And that extends to, again, like with this last 10 nights, an anti-calf comes up a lot, right? A lot of women oh, yes. actually get really frustrated because their husbands will be like, I took 10 days off of work. See ya. On yeah. <laughs> and it's like, like wait a minute <laughs> yeah. yeah and that's that's another paradigm shift that i'd really love to introduce to to our listeners like how are we going to revisit this issue of Eretzikaf? because of course that's a sunnah and of course that's something that should be encouraged and women's Eretzikaf is always like a contentious topic in certain communities where you have people being mm-hmm. like Women, etiquette in the message, that's not a thing. And it's like, oh, what actually yeah. is, you know? And of course, like the Ummahat al Mu'mineen, they used to do it. Why aren't we making this normative, right? And and for husbands and wives, especially those with kids, you know, they don't have to spend all t- last 10 nights in the message square etiquette. Why not build a plan? Like, why doesn't the dad take like a night or two off or alternating? days right take turns right we tell our kids take turns take turns well it's the same thing here take turns as well (laughs) yeah and like that's another thing that for so many people it's like it it doesn't even come to mind it's such an alien concept yeah and yet it's again it's so important and i think too we should remember right like especially with women doing anti-calf like there's this idea like oh if a woman does anti-calf like what about her kids what about her husband she's neglecting her home but number one not all women are married or have kids exactly. and 
you know, and, you know, they could be students, they could simply like be married without kids, and they're not required to just stay mm-hmm. home and, and, and just do housework all day. And that's, that's not it. Like exactly. Ramadan is for us too. The concept of Ba'atikaf is for us too. And we need that spiritual nourishment so much. And it's just, absolutely. I feel like it's so important for us to remind our communities that Ba'atikaf is just as important for women as it is for men. And our households, our families should be reflecting that sense yeah. of priority. It's only 10 days out of the whole year. And then, the, inshallah, the spiritual battery, the recharge from that, you know, will help for the rest of the year, you know? Exactly. And, like, and, and I guess, yeah, this is something definitely to unpack and investigate. And it's this unchecked privilege of men, Muslim men, being able to have access to public spaces of worship unquestioningly. And how in some countries, you know, it is still an ongoing issue having women, you know, to let alone enter the masjid, let alone have a beautiful place to pray, let alone have their worship taken seriously enough for there to be childcare facilities, for there to be babysitting services, for there to, you know, even have this space to have this conversation. But of course, women need more than ever, you know, to have their spiritual batteries recharged in Ramadan. Like this is the time, you know. And think about what messages are we sending our daughters and our sons? What are they watching? What are they learning? You know, what are they, exactly. saying, you know, what are they, you know, indirectly believing if they see the two comparison and imagine like children, you know, actively seeing their dad saying, okay, it's mama's turn to go have a at the masjid. Everyone's, you know, we're staying home. We give mama her time to worship. And of course, you know, mama, you want to go this. Like, no, this is for mama's sin. And just to see them that growing up with that. Imagine that compared to, okay, I've taken the last 10 days off. Goodbye. You know, and then having you know an exhausted mom and the resentment and like what yeah. do us yeah and guard the hearts of the the mother of your children, you know. That is you such want, a good yeah. point. Yeah. And and we think about like when we think about lolum, it's usually like, oh, oppression is like violence, this, that, or the other. But what about like minor lolum where you're That's you're right. literally doing a minor lolum to your wife here, right? The mother of your children. Yeah. And as minor as it might be in the sight of Allah, it might be pretty huge. What du'as is she making that night when she's exactly, like, oh, yeah. you. you know, yeah, and, and there's a right. barrier between her and Allah, and especially Allah. Exactly. Like, why would you want to like risk that, right? Yes. Um, and as opposed to the converse of a super happy, grateful, hot, ex- expansive mom <laughs> who's finally in the masjid, you know, exactly. like the first time in the whole of Ramadan, for example. And yeah. that du'a she makes on that night could be the game changer for the rest of your lives and the afterlife. Like, come on, right. seriously. <laughs> you know. See, like people gotta think different. <laughs> yes, but it's inconvenient because it bucks the status quo. And mm-hmm. it means that, you know, it's like you you need to do something that's difficult or uncomfortable. You know, mm-hmm. and if a dad is not used to being home with kids, Ramadan would be a challenging time to start. You know, so this is part of pre-Ramadan warm-up, you know, yes. be that hands-on dad, be that hands-on caregiver, you know, so that when it's time to, uh, to let your wife go to the masjid, your kids are used to it, you know, because exactly. it's part of their routine. It's not just like this, what's dad doing it's home with us? <laughs> Normally. Yeah, proactively yeah. creating like a different Islamic culture in the home, 
right? Yes, and, absolutely. you know, people always talk about like, oh, well, my culture, this, my culture, that. And, you know, cultures can be beautiful, but they can be really toxic sometimes too. Uh, and yes. we need to learn how to take the best of something and put aside what is not good and what is unhealthy and to embrace something far more valuable, which is the sunnah of Rasulullah. Exactly. And express that beautiful sunnah through your culture. Don't let culture, like, you know, eradicate the beauty of the sunnah. Don't let it hijack things and notice how it's always been done. It's like, well, maybe it needs to change. Exactly. And and again, for me, the most amazing example of like seeing the sunnah implemented in culture was when I went to Malaysia and I would go to the masjid and it's a big yeah. open air masjid, mashallah. And, you know, the men are lined up in the front and they bring their children, they line up their boys and the yeah. those boys have already learned the edit, like they're six, seven years old. But because their fathers have been bringing them from a young age, they already know exactly where to line up. They know exactly what to do. And then you have the little yeah. girls and the same thing. They've been coming with their parents since they were very little. They know where to line up. And then the women line up. That's and it was right. just so beautiful. And going for Tarawih, like my my daughter was three, four years old at that time. And they were not, yeah. not once did we ever hear, oh, you can't bring your kid. It's too noisy. There were so many kids all the time and everybody was And she would come and honestly, she would just like lay next to me and pass out. <laughs> and it was fine. And it was just such yeah. a great atmosphere. And she would go, you know, salat with my dad. And it was just... It was so, so, and so normative. It wasn't like, oh, this, this masjid is special because this is where they do it. No, it was everywhere Mm. we went. And this is really what I want to see. And again, the rest of the Muslim world. Yeah. (laughs) Because unfortunately, on the flip side, we've got so many horror stories. Like the Tikaf thing about like women not even being welcome in the masjid. I remember when I moved back to Canada, my hometown here in Victoria, my first Ramadan back or the second Ramadan back, we heard that there is a sister, she's a convert, actually. I believe she's a Filipino convert. And she lived in like mm-hmm. Prince George, which is literally like the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and mm-hmm. she came over to Victoria, which is a, a small city in and of itself, but we have a masjid, we have a bigger Muslim population. And she came mm-hmm. to do it in the last 10 nights. And even though there is a women's section in the masjid, there's, there's even showers in the basement of the masjid. There was a whole drama about her being there and the brothers didn't want her to go use the basement showers because oh there's brothers in Etikaf there and I'm like and she's literally uh, just walking through a space that's already half empty and just going mm-hmm. into a bathroom that's closed and private like why is that an issue and it became mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. massive huge deal and I was really upset oh, wow. by that because I'm like what example are you setting for the sister who literally traveled from another city where there's no message? She came here yeah. specifically to spend her last 10 nights in worship. And now you're telling her, no, go across, break your etikaf, go across the street to the community center and you publish showers there. It was horrifying to me. Like I was livid. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. absolutely livid because I, I could not imagine that in Ramadan itself, somebody could be so dingy of spirit towards another believer right yeah and, exactly and she wasn't even doing anything wrong she should have fulfilled the sunnah exactly exactly and i'm like we oh, literally man. have the facilities it's not even like we don't have showers and everybody's going there no you literally have this facility in the message for this purpose but yes. you're blocking her off why because a handful Fetia, of others can't handle watching um, a Muslim woman walk across a room oh my god but they shouldn't wild. even be watching her anyway. You're an iktikaf. Lower your gaze. <laughs> read your Quran. 
sit she in ended the up park. having to have like a little like bodyguard of some other sisters protecting her. It was insane. It was insane. And like, oh, man, that's, that's oh, terrible. That just, that's, yeah. that's an example of how these conversations need to be had. Like, check your privilege, investigate any, you know, internalized misogyny. You know, all of these conversations need to be had so that Muslim women can take the space that Allah has already given us. You know, Prophet has already given this to us. Don't take it away. You know, we don't yeah. need another, you know, pre-Jahiliya thing. It's like, you know, let's live the sunnah in this day, in this present moment. We need it more than ever. Exactly, know. exactly. So many conversations to be had. And, you know, these are conversations I wish could have been had like before Ramadan and Masajid and communities can prepare themselves for it in advance. Yeah. You know, like how are Masajid sitting down and thinking, how are we facilitating the worship of Muslim women in Ramadan? How yes. are we facilitating the worship of mothers? How are we facilitating and encouraging and reminding husbands and fathers in our, you know, your pre-Ramadan khutbah? Like, where is the reminder? Like, yes. hey, husbands, here, fathers, game plan, sit with your wives. What are you doing for them, Ramadan? How are you helping them? And again, especially in these last 10 nights, we all yes. want to spend our nights in worship. We all want to, you know, get through our khutmah or whatever our Quran uh, goal is. How are we going to be awliya of one another and yes, exactly. the reward of helping another believer worship, right? That's exactly. another thing that never comes up. This idea of, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's a very selfish perspective. Yes, a very nafsi nafsi, which is like, what? <laughs> which is ironic. <laughs> it's ironic. <laughs> you know, it's like, what about the, the ummah is a body, you know, like we're meant to help each other out. You know, if one part is in pain and the other one, you know, we don't just like, oh, ignore it. They'll be fine. It's like, no, we're not fine. A lot of things are not fine right now. And we can change that within our households, inshallah, by having these conversations, right? You know, and, and the hope is always on a masjid level. Exactly. All this amazing Friday khutbah is like, what is being said, you know? Like how many of these conversations are towards making spaces for Muslim women and their children, you know? And because a lot of the caregiving duties do fall on Muslim women, whether it be childcare or elder care, are they not in even even more need for spiritual relief, for spiritual nourishment? So yeah, this lots to be done. Then the final point that I just want to make about Laylatul Qadr that we can kind of toss back and forth. It's just this this really cool tidbit that I learned from my dad actually just the other day, which is that Laylatul Qadr is actually such a blessing to this ummah because mm-hmm. it well, Allah literally gave it to us as compensation for our shorter lifespans compared to the nations that came before. And they had, you know, like hundreds of years mm-hmm. in which to accumulate, wow. you know, so many oh. acts of worship. And we have much shorter lifespans. And yet Allah, the most generous, the most giving, you know, the the one who loves to bless us with gifts, gave us this greatest, greatest gift mm-hmm. beyond anything we could imagine or ask for ourselves. And so this idea of Laylatul Qadr as compensation to us as an mm-hmm. ummah, like how amazing is that? SubhanAllah. 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 Yes, you know, it's... That's incredible, you know, and, and I can speak for being one of the many, many busy moms who can't quite get as many daylight hours of worship, you know, yes. like getting my father is like, yes, <laughs> I got to pray. I'm like, like reciting Quran every day, wonderful. 
but inshallah just getting able to catch that qadr you know as a compensation for a short lifespan yes and also for my current inability to spend hours upon hours of worship during the day um because i have other responsibilities you know and that's also part of the season of life i'm currently in mm-hmm. and inshallah the seeds of that you know we'll see that later on inshallah flowering in our children when they're older you know knowing that you know ramadan is a beautiful thing it's a family gathering it's something we do as a community as an ummah and yes. connectedness a connectedness inshallah you know it all starts at home inshallah there was a really awesome point that you made as well in your upcoming muslim matters article about laylatul qadr oh, yes. that laylatul qadr is you know the antidote to fomo and i just love that line <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, can I use FOMO? I'll try. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, just such an amazing point. And to the listeners, keep your eyes peeled on the Muslim Matters website. You're going to find that article up soon, inshallah. And so, again, like such a great perspective and, you know, a, a paradigm shift. Like, give the, give the listeners a, a little taste of that. Oh, sure. So, I know, like, we live in a time of, like, social media and, like, <laughs> so much visual clutter this oh and even in ramadan like even (laughs) as amazingly curated a feed you might start comparing yourself oh wow this homeschooling mom has a beautiful ramadan setup and i don't and oh look at the fairy lights and the you know the masjid that they built and i am still struggling you know but that that defeats the purpose of actually centering myself and going inwards right what was light of the color it's a perfect antidote to that where it's like you and allah and getting that opportunity to gain the benefits and rewards of a night greater than a thousand months. And that's between you and Allah. And Instagram can't take that away from you. Yes. <laughs> it's like you and Allah, you know, being present and showing up. And if you we were to just imagine channeling that dua in the last 10 days and having hope, you know, and focusing on what is within our control and not not looking outwards in a way to make us feel bad, you know, because like it's like I think there's a, there's a quote like comparison is the thief of joy. I can't remember now. Yes, who said it. that's exactly yeah. it. You know, perfect, and yeah. it's not it's not just comparison of like oh his car is bigger than mine or whatever. It's like oh they look so much holier than me and they're doing so many cool homeschooling activities. It's like no, we're all in different situations, and Allah knows. You know, and just like how I would teach my children, like what are you doing better compared to what you did yesterday? Not according, yes. not compared to your sibling or to your cousin or whatever, none of that. No, it's about you and your soul and Allah in this moment right now. Because you know, Allah creates us all different anyway, you know? Yes. So it doesn't yeah. make any sense, you know? Like it's like literally comparing like apples to like pears to like oranges. Like we're all so different and we're uniquely made, perfectly made the way Allah has designed each of us. And we all have different challenges and different joys. And Ramadan and is generosity. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. you know, in his generosity, absolutely. That's I think oh, tying that in a, a little bit too is the fact that, again, like we have these narrow ideas of what worship looks like and how we wish we could be like everybody else. But again, Allah's placed us all in our unique situations. He is the most knowing of where we're at and what we're doing. And his generosity of reward and forgiveness is just, beyond our scope of imagination and compensates us more than we could ever imagine, right? Like Allah doesn't waste yes. the, the deeds of any believer, male or female. And it's not like, oh, the salah of any believer. It's not the qira'ah mm-hmm. of a, a believer. It's not the sadaqah of a believer, but literally 
any deed of the believer. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> Allah's generosity. Yeah. And I'm beginning to appreciate this more than ever simply because like I'm out of like the pregnancy, breastfeeding, early toddler stages, whatever, like my kid's old and she's more independent, but I'm finding myself with more responsibilities in other areas, right? So, you know, there's obviously parenting, but then there's school and then there's work and there's, you know, other family and other, Mm -hmm. other responsibilities going on. And for probably one of the first times I've been feeling really overwhelmed and it's like, wait, but Hmm. we're not told you have to finish a khatma every Ramadan. You don't even have to 1000%, you know, like pray your eight or 20 rakats every single night. You do what you can do to the best do of your you ability. And it's your niya and it's your khushu and your sincerity. That's what Absolutely. counts. Like your, your two rakat that you managed to squeeze in just before suhoor could be like heavier on your scales on the day of judgment because you were able to squeeze that in alongside everything else and you weren't neglecting everything else and you know exactly kids or whatever compared to our student of knowledge days when you have oh, yes. yourself <laughs> and, you and you're to- still sad because you're not married <laughs> yeah. I, that's the thing right <laughs> Allah. yeah Allah knows and and on, on on that note those of us who struggle with like chronic or invisible health issues like disabilities uh-huh. or like chronic pain all of this impacts on our Ramadan experience. And this is also, you know, one paradigm shift I had is like when I have a pain flare up, I remind myself, this is expiation, you know, alhamdulillah. Yeah, yeah. I, obviously, I wouldn't wish it upon anyone, but like, it's subhanAllah, you know, this is expiation, you know, and these are times where I need to go easy on myself. This might not be the time to try to knock out 20 rakas. <laughs> it might be the time to rest. And that's okay. I'm so glad yeah. you brought that up. I'm so glad you brought that up because, yeah, invisible illnesses are so much more common than we realize. And I experienced that for the first time in my life. Like last year, I started getting like really severe migraines. And I remember it was actually mm. like the 26th or the 27th night of Ramadan. And I felt so lousy because I had like a migraine that just lasted I think like 12 hours, it was horrible. And I just remember laying in bed and I was like, and my husband's, you know, praying Qiyab and reciting Quran and I'm just laying there like, oh my God, it hurts so much. And reflecting on that again now, and it's, and it's not something we talk about either, right? Unless yeah. you're in it, you never even think about it. It doesn't even occur to you. It does not occur to you. Absolutely, yeah. So I'm really again, the privilege, Yeah, the privilege of being able-bodied, mm-hmm. you know? And like for me, you know, alhamdulillah, the gift of my three children back to back, you know, has led to some health stuff <laughs> that I'm, you know, seeing doctors and TCM practitioners. And you know, and a lot of this is I need to have sabr. Like my body is still healing. You know, I have pain flare ups, my menstrual cycle. Again, another thing we don't talk about, but this yeah. is kind of important because it impacts on my worship. You know, and I'm so grateful that I got to study the fiqh of menstruation when I had the time. So now I can yeah. apply it. And things are getting a little bit weird, you know. Yep. And the season of life, like I didn't know this, how like uh, 12 years before women turn 50, like I'm in my late 30s now, we go through a phase called perimenopause. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? I've never heard of this term. And this is a time where estrogen could spike, menstrual cycles could go for longer, you know, all kinds of different things happen. I'm like, what is happening to me? Nobody told me about perimenopause, you know. And, and I'm so not prepared. Yes, so not prepared. And I'm like, okay, you know, alhamdulillah, now I know I can work with my doctor, my supplements and all this kind of good stuff. And this impacts on my Ramadan where I have mm-hmm. to think about, okay, I can't really swallow that much during suhoor because I don't want to throw up what I've eaten. Yeah. So like, you know, spacing it out, suhoor and iftar. 
you know, and this is part of my Ramadan. You know, and Allah is a witness to that. How I, you know, alhamdulillah, I can still fast. And, you know, alhamdulillah, I have the support, you know, in my household, alhamdulillah, you know. But these are real impacts on, the, on what we can actually do in Ramadan because of invisible illnesses. Yeah, and how it's important to cut each other slack, you know, be kind to one another. You know, and those of us who have children with disabilities, disabled children who come to the masjid and who may not be able to, you know, be super quiet because they're so yeah. excited. Let's have compassion, you know, for one another and make space and know that like chronic illnesses, disabilities, these existed in the time of our Prophet Sallallahu And how did he handle it? He was kind. He was compassionate. He was patient. So let's do more of that. And let's like, finger pointing your oh, sister your kid is bothering me blah 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 you yeah, know yeah. It's, like, it's already hard enough leaving the house with small children right the fact exactly that a woman's able to show up in the masjid with her kids alhamdulillah she should be applauded make space <laughs> for her you know help her feel welcome have her children feel wanted let them feel wanted in place in places of safety so that when they're older they'll come back you know they'll remember these things with fondness and you know and joy not the flip side of like rejection and like we're not wanted fine yeah, so, yeah it's like, just curating that environment of islamic joy and muslim joy regardless of yes. the circumstances of those involved so just have again having these conversations whether it's about invisible illnesses or disability or again like motherhood and just having the whole community be on board is yes. so so important. That's a goal that I really hope we're able to achieve. Inshallah, sooner rather than I mean, later. Inshallah, exactly. I mean, I mean, absolutely agreed. Yeah, and I think you know, having said all of that, it's a good segue into again asking that, uh, asking Allah and making dua that we are able collectively within our homes, within our families, mm-hmm. and then bringing that into our message and our wider communities. All these mm-hmm. points that we brought up, you know, growing closer to Allah in these last 10 nights, but embodying a paradigm shift of what the last 10 nights looks like for us in terms of worship, in terms of providing access and facilitating worship for one another, for fathers yes. and husbands to be really hands-on in that and enabling wives and mothers to be a part of that, having massages, Absolutely. you know, be aware and provide the facilitation and accessibility and having just everybody, whatever their struggles are, you know, I really pray we are all able to internalize and understand with greater depth mm-hmm. just what Allah's afu looks like, what his generosity looks like, how yes. that applies to all of us in all of our different situations. And no matter how alone or tired or frustrated we may be, knowing that Allah sees that all and that He is rewarding us every single moment that we are still struggling for His sake. Yes, for His sake. Absolutely. Alhamdulillah. So this was an amazing conversation. Jazakallah for joining me. And I'm so glad we had this opportunity to talk to each other again. Alhamdulillah. 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 Thanks again, Zainab. All right. So to the Muslim Matters listeners, may Allah bless you all with an amazing last 10 nights of Ramadan. Keep your eyes peeled for Sada Raiza's article on Muslim Matters coming up on Ba'alit al-Qadr. And keep us all in your du'as. Jazakumullah khairan. Subscribe, stay tuned, and we'll see you on the flip side for Eid, inshallah. All right. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Hey, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us online on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram on our handle Muslim Matters and check out our site daily at muslimmatters.org. Thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next one inshallah.
Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.